0: Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to
1: Ross Tucker. Break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of the College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda Time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, always by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. You know this man. I am all over social media at Ross Tucker NFL. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I know you're on one of them. Whichever one you're on, please check me out at Ross Tucker NFL. At Ross Tucker Pod is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and doing very well. Highly encourage you to follow just because then you get to see the two or three best clips on social media from every show. So even if you don't Listen or watch Even Money, the betting one, Fantasy Feast, the Fantasy One, or Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which by the way will be epic later today or tomorrow morning. I'm interviewing one of the 200 million people that did not watch the Super Bowl. I've been waiting years to actually talk to a human being that doesn't watch the Super Bowl and find out how that came to be, like how they grew up. I'm fascinated. Buy it. So that'll be on today, or maybe tomorrow morning's Ross Tucker football podcast. Star of this show, which by the way is the most important show over the next two and a half months. It's Emory Hunt. He's at Fball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, and we talked about this last week. FootballGamePlan.com slash twenty. 23 draft guide is where it's out. We're thinking maybe it will be the late uh, March date
0: time frame. Correct, Emery? Yeah, like you're looking at around, it may not be to over over 1,000 like it was last year because we had such an enormous class last year. So we're looking probably around that same time frame, March 28th through the 30th, somewhere around there. All right, so this week, Emery, we got the HBCU Legacy Bowl.
1: And then um, next week, we've got the Combine. So we'll do a little bit more of a Combine preview next week. And we'll break down the uh, HBCU Legacy Bowl, the guys that stood out to you this week. I guess um, the two quick questions on that before we get into the quarterback breakdown because I'm fascinated by your quarterback rankings. Um, the first question is, at the Legacy Bowl this week, is there a guy or two that you're most excited to see that you'll really be looking for? Or or maybe even who is the best guys that'll be there?
0: Well, yeah, that's a great question, Ross. I, I feel like going in, the one guy I'm excited to see, I've been talking about him for two years, is Andrew Farmer out of Lane College. Hey, this was someone, it's a division two program uh, out in Tennessee. And he's someone that just popped off film to the point where you're thinking, am I, am I bugging? Is this dude just, you know, a, a big fish in a small pond?" Yes, he is based on where he came from. But then when you saw him down at the hula bowl, he matches up physically with those guys from the FBS and power five conferences within the FBS. He's a legit 6'3, 250, well put together. Uh, rush-in type, can be a stand-up outside linebacker, but he's a, a terror, and I can't wait to go into the film and break down the game he had this year in their opener against another NFL prospect that was at the uh, East-West Shrine Bowl that, that'll also be down here at the HBCU Legacy Bowl in um, oh, I forgot, it. it's from Arkansas Pine Bluff Mark Davis, I believe is his name, um, and he's some he played left tackle at uh, he played left tackle at not naturally, I can't find his name, but he played left tackle at Arkansas Pine Bluff. But when he was at the Shrine game, he played center because when you saw him in person, he was like, yo, he is built, he is small, he's like 6'2, 298, so he's a center and it's going to be a center at the NFL level. But he played tackle, uh, in that matchup against Lane College. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um,
1: as for the combine. We talked about this a little bit last week. I really don't understand. I mean, at the very tail end of the show, I really don't understand how Carl Brooks from Bowling Green didn't get invited and how that happens. Cause he's been good there. I've been doing Bowling Green games the last few years. He's been good there the last three years. And this year he had an unbelievable year and he's going to get drafted pretty high. I don't really know how that happens. Emory. Like there's, Plenty of guys going to the combine aren't even going to get drafted. And this guy's going to get drafted probably day two. And he doesn't get invited. Was there anybody else that really jumped out to you on the, on the combine invite list that maybe they got invited that you weren't expecting or they didn't get invited. Yeah.
0: um, You're surprised. Well, Carl Brooks is, is number one, but that also kind of sets the trend because I almost just thought it was rubber stamp that if you participated in the senior bowl or the shrine game, you almost were automatically going to the combine, right? That was the purpose of getting into those two games to, to make sure you kind of lock in your spot. Um, so sticking with that, I, I like to stay on defense two guys that I've talked about a lot. One in particular, Marpe Mapu, Marte Mapu from Sacramento state, the linebacker who tore up the NFL PA bowl. And at the senior bowl, and, you know, someone that's athletic, so he's going to participate in all. First of all, these small college guys will participate in all of the drills, right? So you're going to get a show from these guys. So this was Troy Anderson last year of Montana State. We've seen this a lot with all the small college guys. So they want to go out there go out there, and show and prove. So you're going to get those guys to go in there and actually participate in the drills. And he's someone of intrigue. He was 6'3", 217 measured in at the um the Senior Bowl or at the NFLPA Bowl as well as the Senior Bowl the same height weight measurement. So now you want to see okay is he more of a strong safety can we put line can we put him at linebacker? Does he have the frame to add more weight? Does he need to add more weight? It would have been great to see him there. Another linebacker that I saw at the NFLPA game with the same type of background, Michael Ayers of Ashland, Division 2 program out of Ohio. He was another one that was a lockstep with the running backs that was in uh concert with the passing game, picking off passes, doing a great job in seven on seven, also playing around well and has that same unique course to linebacker. He was a receiver, uh, you know, then he moved to corner, then he played linebacker. So he has that background and those are the type of guys that you want to see not only test, see how well they test, because you know they're going to run and, and participate, but also, What's the upside? Are they safeties? Are they linebackers? And that's why I think they should have been there. And one more guy offensively. Obviously, I got to go to the running back position. Uh, uh, Valaday. He has a weird name, Xavier Valaday, from Arizona State. Um, because he led the team in rushing on a losing team, had over a 1, 1100 something yards on a team that was what three and nine in Arizona State. It's unheard of. Then he goes to the Shrine Bowl and and kills it on both ends of offense and he's someone that can catch the ball well, um runs rather well, very good receiver. You know, I'm looking at some of the backs, I'm like how could you forget that one? You know, this is a guy that transferred from Wyoming, played at Arizona State, was a star there and didn't get the opportunity to go to the to the uh combine. I just again, I was under the impression that if you're in the top 2 all-star games, you kind of got rubber stamped into going. All right, <clears throat> let's get into
1: this, um, Emery, in terms of your quarterbacks. And this is really interesting to me because you were on this guy as your number one guy before the season, and nothing changed to, to stop that now. Your number one-ranked quarterback still, Anthony Richardson from Florida, To my knowledge, you're the only person that has him number one.
0: Talk about it. Well, this is why, Ross. It's it's a combination of the traits, physical talent, and the potential upside. So when you look at a guy that's not going to be, what, 21 years old or going to be 21 years old, he's a young player, um, so he still has growth left within this game. We know his biggest weakness, in my opinion, is his lack of experience. Only one full season as a starter. He started, he played a lot of games last year um, behind Emory Jones, but I always pointed to those games that we saw him play last year as a reason why you can trust that projection moving forward. You look at his game against LSU, the complete game. This is someone that was able to manage the ebbs and flows of a game and almost came out on top. Again, I keep bringing it up. Had he not gotten hit on that last throw that was intercepted, he made the right read, he made the right throw, it would have been a touchdown, and they probably win that ball game against LSU. So, transition forward. Everyone wants to. It's funny how people do this, Ross, because it always it, they use it as a as an argument for a person they like, and they use it as an argument against a person they don't like or a prospect they don't like. They talk about completion percentage, right? Well, completion percentage doesn't really matter. Um, it's not a true sign of accuracy. That's for the person that they like. For the person that they don't like, it's I mean, look at his accuracy. He only completed 53% of his passes, right? But when you watch the, the game, let's take a look at the Florida State game. You see how many drops he had in a row. Some of these are drops. Some of these are just throwaway passes. So yes, every pass tells a story. But if you look at just completion percentage, you you will focus on that and say he, he's not accurate. That's far from the truth. He may be a little bit inconsistent with placement. That's a different story than just general accuracy. Uh, his mobility is where it needs to be. He's a plus one in the run game. He's a legit game breaker from that aspect. And when you look at someone that has the upside in the passing department, combined with what he does athletically, yes, he is my number one. Um, and if I'm Houston or Indy, one of those two top two picks, Carolina, if I'm trading up the Raiders, significant, especially when you look at what all these teams already have in tow, from a weapon standpoint, Houston far less than everyone else I've mentioned, that's the guy you want to plug in and helps enhance your offense. Emory, do you like him enough
1: that you would draft him if you're the Bears and trade fields or no?
0: No, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That whole suggestion of taking someone number one in trading fields is probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And and it's 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 funny how it starts this offseason, and it's like, hey, you you just watch Justin Fields do ridiculous things all season long, and the first thought that comes to people's mind is, well, they need, to, they need to, you know, perhaps entertain the thought of taking the quarterback, but you don't hear that for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't hear that for the New England Patriots, the Chicago Bears. We just watched this dude rush for 100 yards in a first quarter against the Detroit Lions. And you saw the team that they had around him, youthful team. They have a ton of picks and a ton of money. Why is that even a question? It's probably the most absurd thought in uh, comments that we've heard all across this uh, beginning part of the season, uh, off season. It's, it's par for the course, though. But it's just one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Second
1: ranked quarterback for you is Bryce Young
0: from Alabama. Yeah, Bryce Young is um, dynamic. You know, I say dynamic. I mean, you know, talking about both ends of offense as a scrambler and as a passer. Like, he's going to find a way to make a way. And you love guys like that. Plus, he's battle-tested. Talking about how many big games he's played in across his college career. Significant games. We just talked about this with Jalen Hurts. We talked about this with Tua Tungavaloa. These are the guys that are mentally ready to handle whatever is thrown at them in the nfl and if you're looking for let's say a plug and play guy uh he would probably be the one so if you're looking for someone to help steer your if you're one player if you're a quarterback away right so if you are indianapolis if you are in my opinion carolina hell if you are the raiders bryce young should be the focal point for what you want to do right now today you could draft bryce Young. And go play a game. I am not too particularly worried about him being about 5'11", 190. He's been that size his whole you know football life at, at the highest of levels, and it hadn't been an issue. Obviously, we all know this as you get older, you're gonna gain some weight. He'll find a way to put <laughs> something on him, and so he'll be fine moving forward. But he's not 165, he's not, you know, rail thin. He is narrow, but he 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 does have the ability to, I think, to add five to 10 more pounds on his frame um yeah i mean i I, he's always played well every game i've ever watched
1: i don't think i've ever seen him have a bad game i'm sure he has but i I never. every game i've ever watched he plays well um and i've seen all the stats about quarterbacks that are less than 200 pounds and it just doesn't happen you know what that reminds me of emory that reminds me of There was a a while there where it was like, you can't take these really thin wide receivers. They're just not big enough for these receivers. Uh, Devontae Smith, not big enough. He's too skinny. How's that working out? I mean, he set the franchise record for receptions for the Eagles this year. You know, I think on some level, and I, I was a heavy guy. I'm a thick guy, right? I think that's a little bit overrated. You know, these smaller receivers, these lighter receivers, it's easier for them to get in and out of their breaks. They're able to be better route runners because they don't have that much weight going one direction when they break the other. I mean, Hollywood Brown, I mean, you go down the list, there's a bunch of guys that they said they're too skinny, and it's like, wait a minute. Isn't he playing pretty well? Isn't he pretty good? Um, I don't know. I mean, everybody wants it to be Calvin Johnson. Good luck getting a guy like Calvin Johnson that can actually
0: run routes and get it out of their breaks. It's funny because it's always funny when the young – I hate to say the youth, Ross, because, you know, it almost kind of indicts us for being older. But it is what it is, right? It's always always funny when the youth come at me and say, well, I mean, you got to be 6'3", 2 like, bro, I grew up watching Flipper Anderson. Like, there's nothing you could tell me about somebody being big or whatnot. I grew up watching Ricky Sanders and and those guys tearing up the NFL. Mark Duper and Mark Clayton, like, get out my face with that nonsense. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like the running back position. You brought up a great point um, when people say, well, you got to have guys that are built like Derrick Henry or Jim Brown. Like, those are rare breeds. Eddie George, rare breed. Ideally, you want a shorter running back because of what you talked about. Change of direction skills. It's easy to shift that weight left to right to make a guy miss. It's hard for these taller guys with these taller, these higher uh, centers of gravity to try to evade defenders. The last time I checked, it's about making guys miss and scoring the ball. And lighter guys tend to have that approach. Yes, sometimes you have bigger guys that play light. Sometimes you have lighter guys that play big. And you want the guy that plays the right way. And I think when you look at a Bryce Young, you look at a Devonta Smith, those guys are uh, the type of small guys that you don't worry about. Download the DraftKings app now. Use code
1: Ross. You can bet five dollars on any pregame money line bet in the NBA and get one hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets if your team wins. We talked about this on Draft uh, on Even Money podcast. This is a no brainer. Like, there's heavy favorites. Take a heavy favorite for five bucks, and you're basically getting a free hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with Code Ross.
0: All right, number three guy, CJ Stroud, Emery. Another one. And 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 full disclosure, and these the guy the guys will see this in a draft guide, but Stroud, Richardson, and Bryce Young all have the same grade, in my opinion. I just ranked them one, two, and three like that, uh, for different reasons, right? But you have to find out where they differ in the draft guide. But the overall grade is the same. Stroud I compared to Troy Aikman before I think he has good pocket mobility he's a good enough runner if he has to be we saw that all throughout his career but I think people just kind of got hip to it you know in the Georgia game in the playoff but here's another one if you are Indianapolis I'm picking picking spots to peg these guys I think this is where they'll be ideal uh, right away if you are Indianapolis if you're Oakland if you're Carolina CJ Stroud would be ideal for you because of what he can do throwing the football and what you already have in tow at receiver also at uh running back and and up front along the offensive line he is a really good player point and shoot passer uh he is someone that can beat you from the pocket consistently with just enough athleticism to get out on the move that's an area where he's going to have to really uh grow his game is throwing on the move but in terms of being within the pocket, making reads downfield and at the intermediate level of the field and where he's placed in the football. His placement is top tier. His accuracy is top tier. I think he got better over the uh, course of last year to what we're seeing this year from an accuracy standpoint. And I just feel like he has the, what we talked about with Bryce Young and the other Alabama quarterbacks, big game um, status in terms of playing in these big games being mentally ready to go, had to deal with the doubters, had to deal with some adversity at Ohio State, um, got them to the playoffs and played well and probably should have won that playoff game against Alabama. So in my opinion, you want these guys that are mentally tough. I talked about this with Jalen Hurts before and also Joe Burrow. You know, People try to find out and try to figure out what the it is or they try to quantify the it, but you know it when you see it and C.J. Stroud has the it that you want at the position.
1: Number four is the one that really jumped out to me. Todd Centale from JMU. I did one of his games a couple years ago when he's playing for Colorado state, you have him as the fourth best
0: quarterback prospect. Tell me about it. Yeah. And here's the thing with Todd Centale. We watched him at Colorado state. I remember watching him get beat down against South Dakota state, but I was like, you know, this quarterback not bad for Colorado state. Then when, you watch JMU and you put two and two together. I'm like, Oh, that's a dude from Colorado state. But this is why I love grading so many prospects, right? Because things will jump out at you and you, it'll be hard to ignore. If you just work off the same standard list that's thrown at you, like, Hey, here are the top five guys you, you want to talk about and focus on. And then you'll miss everybody else. But when you watch everybody, you kind of can rank and file. Okay. This dude does this. Well, this dude does that. Well, Senteo was someone that was pleasantly surprised at how consistent he was throwing the football and operating the offense at JMU. He was a Belt Conference Offensive Player of the Year as well as a Newcomer of the Year. So that speaks volumes to what he was able to do because, again, you have Grayson McCall in that in that conference as well. And so you're watching him operate, just making these throws, moving the offense down the field, playing a real – uh, a, a great game above the X's and O's. Then you see him down at the uh, Tropical Bowl, or, you know, he did he did really well there. And then he got the call up to the Hula Bowl, not Hula Bowl, the um, NFLPA Bowl, was excellent there as well. So not only are you watching him excel at two different programs, uh, FBS programs, JMU FBS this year, but also you saw him excel at two separate All-Star games. So now he's playing great football against you know, different competition in different conferences and then goes to the all-star game and is playing with receivers that he doesn't know in a, in an unfamiliar environment, a stressful one, because you got scouts watching and performs really well. And he came in at, at six feet, five, 11 and some change, you know, 215, 220 pounds. So he's well put together, good athleticism, throws well over the middle of the field and does a great job situationally. So for me, those are the type of guys that you, hey man, you know it, it was hard to ignore the consistency, the growth from you know program to program, and what he was doing out there in those all-star game settings. So the total view of Todd Centeno was pretty positive. Um, next up, your number fifth five guy, Jaron Hall from BYU. Hall was someone that really was impressive every time he played. The problem with Hall was how many times he played. You know, you want to see him shake the the injury bug that just seems to have snake bitten him. Had he not gotten hurt, Zach Wilson doesn't start. Because he was the starter before Zach Wilson got hurt. Zach Wilson jumped in and did what Zach Wilson was able to do at BYU. And so Jaron Hall was able to regain the starting job last year, played really well, but he is someone that that operates offense you know extremely well he, he can make all the throws that you loved about zach wilson but he also has the running component too so he's a plus one in the run game with the ability to consistently hit the deep ball down the field uh he moves the offense well Just the injury concerns man and, and you know and, i.e the concussions then when you factor in he's going to be what 24 25 years old so you're dealing with an older prospect and, and so you wonder okay what is what we're seeing capped or does he have a still? Does he still have a little bit more to grow? I know he still has a little bit more to grow because he hadn't played a lot, unlike a guy that's just that number six on my list. We'll get to in a second, but I think that's why um, I have Hall slightly rated ahead of who's at number six.
1: Last but not least in our top six today, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, who was playing unbelievable
0: until he got hurt. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Geno Smith. You know, that was my comp for him and how he throws a football. Just a, a smooth stroke. Intermediate passing is where he lives, and that's just great for the NFL because a lot of what you have to do throwing the football, we get enamored by the deep ball, but that's few and far in between. You know, it's the intermediate, the short to intermediate game, and if you can live in that intermediate area of the field, if you could thrive there, there that's where you're going to have success, and that's where Hendon Hooker has success. Um, again, older prospect. Gonna be 25. He was solid at Virginia Tech. We used to always wonder why he wasn't the starter consistently at Virginia Tech. Uh, but he goes to Tennessee, plays well last year, takes off this year. So you're seeing the trajectory of him going in the right direction. You just hate that he had the ACL injury so late in the season. But it was good to see him down at the Senior Bowl, walking around in good spirits. He, from all from what I've heard, he's been able to do some drills. Uh, so it looks like he's going to be on track for – I don't want to put a time limit out there, but it looks like he's trending in the right direction, put it that way. Um, But you like that about him. So he's coming off of an injury, and he's going to be 25, 24, 25. So, you know, the upside potential is there. I know people say, hey, quarterbacks can play into their 40s. How many are actually playing into their 40s, and how many are actually doing really well? If we can look at this from a, you know, can he give us good football from a – five-year to eight-year window that's perfect so that will put him right at about what 33 in eight years that's fine you know but i do feel like he has that geno smith type of ability of throwing the football uh the intermediate areas is where he excels he puts the ball right on the money where it needs to be and coming from these conferences where he's played a lot of big games played some big games in the acc we know he played big games this past season at Tennessee had these guys, what first in the country for, for a good stretch. Uh, that's getting the job done, especially with the upset against Alabama.
1: Really is unbelievable. Emery. When I was 25, I was in my fourth year in the NFL. <laughs> right. I mean, think about that. Like, and I don't, it doesn't bother me for a quarterback, especially because those guys can play longer. And are you that worried about his third contract? You know what I mean? Like who cares about the guy's third contract? This is it's a two year league, but it's just wild. I mean, my rookie year, I was 22. My second year, I was 23. Third year, 24. Fourth year, I was... But I mean, when I was 25, I started 25 games, played 45. It was just kind of wild to uh, to think about that. I did know, Emery, <clears throat> a guy that's going to go in the first round, probably even top 10, that you did not have in your top six. His name is Will Levis, and next week, When we go over your tier two quarterbacks, the next five or six guys on your list, fascinated to see where Levis falls out of that bunch and definitely going to get your take on why you're so much lower on Levis than everybody else appears to be. That's a little bit of a tease for next week. In the meantime, check him out on social media at FBallGamePlan on Twitter. He'll be one of the only draft gurus That's at the HPC Legacy Bowl because Emery just wants it more than they do. He just works harder than they do. Football game plan on YouTube's incredible. And right now, I mean, the guy has Todd Centeno as his fourth-ranked quarterback. This is not one of those cookie-cutter guys, right? Like, don't buy a guide from someone that just moves around the same list everybody else has. What's the point of that? Why would you buy a draft guide when it's the same list of everybody else? He just moves around a little bit, has one little different quote. No, Emery is, thinks for himself. Okay, Todd Senteo, number four. Unbelievable. Hope he lights it up. Footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. The keg is kicked. We're all tapped out.